All right, air quality advisory alert extended until 12 a.m. Friday. At, at this point, I, just tell us when it expires. Don't just say it's in it, it's in place indefinitely, and we'll let you know when it's safe to breathe outside again. Uh, yesterday, I I had to get out and do some yard work. I had to uh, cut the back grass because it was getting out of control, and we got a small dog and didn't want her going missing in the lawn. So uh, I put the N95 mask on, and I, I did okay breathing wise. But when I got when I got inside the house, my eyes went nuts. It was kind of like that uh, part in Michael Jackson's Thriller where he's out with that girl. And, uh, you know, he like covers her, his face and then she goes, what's wrong? And then he looks at her and his eyes are all crazy. He says, go away. That was me. Popped a, popped an Allegra and, uh, all is good. So I'm sure, uh, you've heard by now seismic decision yesterday in the Supreme Court as they struck down affirmative action. Um, not, not completely unexpected, not completely unpredictable, but it's historic nonetheless. I would actually go as far as to say I haven't really gone through every single Supreme Court decision since I was born in 1984. But I would say next to last year's overturning of Roe versus Wade, this this is probably the second biggest Supreme Court decision uh, of my lifetime, at least. Uh, The Supreme Court, they struck down affirmative action yesterday, six to three along party lines. And yes, there are party lines in the Supreme Court ruling that colleges may not use race as a determining factor in accepting college applicants, striking down a decades-old statue. Now, this ruling stemmed from a case at Harvard where a group of prospective Asian students and their families accused the university of discriminating against them during the admissions process in order to hit some diversity quota, as well as a companion case against the University of North Carolina examining their consideration of race in the admissions process and uh, I, I'm not sure if this is significant. I kept hearing uh, all the news reports. There's one private school and one public school, and perhaps they needed one private school, one public school to strengthen their case. Uh, so the six conservative justices, they struck it down, saying it was a violation of the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment. And uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, he left an out uh, I, I think it muddies the decision a little bit. Uh, he wrote in his opinion that although race, it can't be used as a determining factor in admitting a student, uh, it doesn't stop pr- prospective students from sharing how their race has shaped them in the application process, you know, like uh, like putting it in an essay or, or putting it uh, or, or talking about it in, in an interview. Uh, critics of the ruling, they are already looking for ways around the ruling. Um, calling for an end to legacy admissions, which it seems to be a consensus on this. Uh, Tim Scott, I forgot, I think it was on Fox News the other day after, um, after the ruling came down. Um, Republican, um, congressman, now, um, presidential candidate, uh, the only black Republican in, uh, the Senate, I believe. I believe he's the Senate, yes. Um, Senator Tim Scott, I think I said Congress, but um, he's the only black Republican in the Senate. He called for an end uh, to legacy admissions. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called for the end of of legacy admissions. Um, And you can't get uh, two people more on the opposite side of the aisle for them uh, than them. So 
little silver lining. It looks like we're getting some bipartisan agreement on that. Um, also, um, they're going to some people calling for the end of standardized testing and expanding access to financial aid. Uh, President Biden reacted to the ruling yesterday. Many people wrongly believe that affirmative action allows unqualified students, unqualified students to be admitted ahead of qualified students. This is not this is not how college admissions work. And he went on to explain that, um, you know, uh, these students have already passed a certain threshold. They already met some criteria and um, then out of then out of that pool of already qualified students, um, then race is just one of many uh, determining factors that uh, college admissions offices used to be able to um, take into account in the states where um, affirmative action was legal. What I propose for consideration is a new standard where colleges take into account the adversity a student has overcome when selecting among qualified applicants. So um, there will be plenty of talk about this today here on the Great Voice of the Great Lakes and uh, uh, throughout the weekend, I'm sure. All right, if you're driving right now with a cell phone in your hand, put it down. The brand new Michigan hands-free law, it goes into effect today, making it illegal to have a cell phone in your hand while operating a, a motor vehicle, even if you are stopped at a red light. Uh, use of navigation devices, streaming audio, or making phone calls is legal as long as your hands are not on your phone. First offense will get you a $100 fine with a $250 fine for each offense afterwards. Then the fines will double um, if um, you having your cell phone in your hand results in a car accident. And uh, the only exception is if you are uh, in an emergency situation or reporting a crime. Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a bill that would ban people from using their professional position of authority to intentionally prevent another person from reporting crimes such as criminal sexual conduct or child abuse. This bill was initiate, uh, initially developed back in 2018 in response to the Larry Nasser allegations. And since then, other bills and policies have been put into place in hopes of protecting other people from suffering the same type of abuse as Larry Nasser survivors. Michigan State University is installing hundreds of new door locks on their classrooms that lock from the inside while giving emergency personnel access with a key of their own in response to the deadly campus shooting last February. Uh, since then, the university has also um, extended hours where key cards are required to enter buildings. They've added more than 2,000 cameras to their security network and have implemented mandatory active violence intruder training. MSU interim president Teresa Woodruff says the university has set aside $8 million for security upgrades around campus. And this is a, a, a little feel-good story uh, on Friday here. Uh, the Michigan Fa- Fallen Heroes Memorial Fund, they've launched a new scholarship program for families of Michigan police officers and firefighters who lost their lives in the line of duty. The fund Founded by Oakland County Sheriff Michael Bouchard, is funded by private donors and open to high school seniors or current undergrads, graduate students, or people enrolled in vocational or job training. To apply, go to michiganfallenheroes.com slash scholarships by July 30th, and there is also a link to donate as well. Affirmative action was not the 
only ruling the Supreme Court made yesterday. Former Pennsylvania postal carrier Gerald Goff sued over the USPS rules that required him to deliver packages on Sunday when he said he observed the Sabbath. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act says employers have to accommodate religious requests by employees unless it would create an undue hardship. A legal case from the late 70s resulted in that hardship being defined as minimal. Well, now the Supreme Court says unanimously the hardship has to be more than minimal in order to deny an employee's religious accommodation. The Postal Service had said Goff could get others to cover his Sunday shifts, but that proved to be too difficult. And after multiple missed shifts, Goff resigned from the Postal Service. He filed suit in 2019. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. And uh, we'll keep our eye on the Supreme Court. Um, expecting a decision today on, on Joe Biden's student loan um, debt relief plan. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's toast. So uh, I'll, I've, I, I better up my door dashing game. Hands free, of course. First thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. Supreme Court struck down affirmative action yesterday, 6-3, to three, ruling that colleges cannot use race as a determining factor for accepting a prospective student during the applications process. Senior news analysts Marie Osborne and Chris Renwick on JR Afternoon. Let's dive in a little more to this story with the Supreme Court and this decision made uh, involving affirmative action. Years of debate this has been. uh, We have talked about this, and the Supreme Court rejected affirmative action in college admissions decisions. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne has more on the implications of this ruling. Good afternoon, Marie. Hi, Chris. And we should start by saying nine states, including Michigan, Washington and California already banned the consideration of race in higher education. This was a six to three decision written by the Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. The court held that the policies violated the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment. Roberts wrote in the opinion, in the opinion, the entire point of the Equal Protection Clause is that treating someone differently because of their skin color is not like treating them differently because they're from the city or from a suburb or because they play the violin poorly or well. This was adopted after the Civil War. The amendment was intended to protect the rights of former slaves who were subjected to discriminatory state laws, particularly in a, in the South. Now, there was a scathing dissent joined by the court's uh, liberals. Justice Soda, uh, Sonia Sotomayor said the decision rolled back decades of precedents and momentous progress. And President Biden also spoke about this this afternoon. We need a higher education system that works for everyone, from, from Appalachia to Atlanta and to far beyond. We can and must do better, and we will. And, Chris, it's important to note, when California banned race as a factor, black and Hispanic enrollment dropped by 40% in some colleges. And it should be noted that even in places where race is a factor at admission, black and Hispanic enrollment is lower than state averages. In Georgia, 30% of the seniors, 36% of the seniors are black, but enrollment at UGA is 6% of the freshman class. And Michigan has a similar double-digit gap. Well, it's unbelievable. I mean, in terms of, and and you mentioned it, Michigan, back in 2006, uh, was one of the now nine states that uh, banned race-conscious admissions. And, And what we saw, for example, out of the University of Michigan, 
uh, the the share of black students of the student population fell from four percent uh, in twenty twenty one. Uh, from seven percent in 2006, California, very similar numbers. They did it ten years before. But but Marie, this is this is something that has been ongoing literally for years. Th- this conversation amongst uh, the academic community and even the business community that that should you have should you prioritize a more diverse student population or should you prioritize true academics and that has been a contentious topic for for you it it absolutely has been a contentious topic it's interesting uh, associate justice sandra day o'connor back in 2003 wrote that we can expect that 25 years from now the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary to further the interest that they approved today she said well, mm. here we are almost 25 years later, right? And we're still grappling with this problem. I just, in my view, I don't think that they have found the key to unlock um, the true way to integrate our uh, higher education system so they truly represent our communities. And, of course, Guy and Lloyd, we're going to have a, a lot of coverage on that historic affirmative action ruling yesterday on JR Mornings. Uh, we're going to like be talking to uh, Zach Smith um, from the Heritage Foundation, uh, talking to David Coleman uh, from the Great Lakes Justice Center. So uh, just keep it here on WJR for all the news and analysis that you need. Now, uh, in, in that interview... Or, or that segment there, Marie, with Chris Renwick, she did a good job of, 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 of laying out kind of um, the, the, the consequences, the cause of an, an effect of, of banning affirmative action in a, a number of states that, that have already banned it. Um, California, they outlawed affirmative action uh, about 20 years ago. In 2006, here in the state of Michigan, I'd forgotten about this, but voters banned affirmative action um, by a a, 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 a a ballot initiative. Um, and since then, the percentage of black students and on Michigan campuses has decreased from 7% down to 4%. And there's been a 90% reduction in the percentage of Native American students. And we've seen similar declines in a number of uh, other states uh, where affirmative action has been banned. So... Uh, We'll uh, we'll wait and see. We we're probably going to have to wait another five to ten years to uh, see what the uh, the, the true uh, consequences, the true cause and effects of this are. A former deputy of the Parkland schools, where a 19 year old man killed 17 people and injured 17 others, he was acquitted yesterday of 11 counts after being put on trial for failing to act. Fox is uh, Steve Harrington. Harrigan, I'm sorry, I'm thinking Stranger Things. Fox's Steve Harrigan has the story. Emotion in the courtroom, both from the school resource officer, Scott Peterson, 60 years old, but also from some of the parents who lost their children in that gruesome day five years ago. Scott Peterson faced felony counts for child neglect. He could have gone to jail for 96 years. Instead, he gets nothing, not guilty on all counts. The details of that horrible day, Valentine's Day five years ago, are still seared in the memory of anyone who was there. And during that time, the school resource officer, Scott Peterson, was outside taking cover behind a vehicle for more than four minutes. 
And as you can imagine, uh, a number of the victims' families are not happy with this verdict. They blame Peterson in part for um, what happened that day. Now, Peterson says that he didn't know where the shots were coming from and that his radio wasn't working at the time of the shooting and he was worried about uh, a sniper waiting outside. And, uh, and uh, I, I mean, I, I, remember, I, I remember hearing about um, Mr. Peterson and, and how he stood outside of a building um, for um, a number of minutes before going after the gunfire. And before that, he had a he had an illustrious uh, career in law enforcement. I believe he won a, a number of awards just the year before. And, and here's the thing: none of us know how we're going to react until we're put in that situation. Um, however, you know, I remember after the the tragic events at at Oxford, we had uh, Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard on this station quite a bit, and uh, he said, as a police officer, your job is to run towards danger when other people are running out. And that's the policy. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be a police officer. So, um, you know, I, it, obviously the jury down in Florida didn't find uh, a, a enough evidence or, or didn't find a uh, law to uh, convict Mr. Peterson. But... Uh, I'm sure it's another gut punch to those families. All right, so the 4th of July, uh, you might not be traveling because um, all the airline headaches. And if you're staying local, um, a number of beaches around the area are closed due to bacterial runoff. Metro Beach on Lake St. Clair, uh, Memorial Park on Lake St. Clair, uh, Lake Huron, Lexington Beach. Full list at WJR Radio on Twitter. All right, we will get back to the affirmative action discussion uh, a little bit after 549 when I'm joined by uh, Lloyd Jackson, Nick Roddy, and uh, Guy Gordon here. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just perusing the news during the break here, making sure there's nothing that I missed, and uh, I came across this story. Hunter Biden settles child support case with an Arkansas woman. Uh, allegedly, uh, Hunter Biden, he fathered a, uh, a child with a woman back in 2018, took a DNA test back in 2020, um, and the mother of the child uh, was getting uh, monthly child support from, uh, from him for about $20,000, and uh, Hunter Biden was trying to get that decreased. And so the judge ruled uh, that... Uh, I, it, it didn't say the amount of, of money that it was uh, reduced to, but it says Biden agreed as part of the order to give an unspecified number of his paintings to the child to keep or sell. So uh, I, I, it, are his paintings that good? I'd rather have the $20,000 a month. It's crazy. Maybe they're good. I don't know. Maybe they'll be worth something one day. I was kind of under the impression that uh, most of his art deals were um, just because of his name only. Anyway, I'm tired of talking about that guy. Uh, back during the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a pause put on many things, including bottle deposits, which Michigan levels never really seemed to have recovered from, leading to some discussion about raising the bottle deposit fee from $0.10 cents to $0.15 cents or, or maybe even more. Uh, Tom Emmerich Chief Operating Officer for Shoe Pan 
and president of Shoe Pan Recycling on JR Morning with Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson. You know, Michigan led the nation with over around 90 percent plus return rate of all deposit containers for, for many, many years. And then along came the, the pandemic and we were the only state to shut our deposit system down completely for uh, about 12 weeks. Now, I'm not uh, I'm not blaming anybody for that. If I, I would have hated to be the one that has to make those difficult decisions, um, but it happened. And I think uh, you're kind of created somewhat of an unintended consequence of uh, some folks just change their behavior. Um, and got used to maybe not taking them back as often as they used to uh, and kind of fell out of the routine. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, we dropped down to 75%, which, by the way, is still very, very good. We're number two in the country now in beverage uh, container recycling. Um, Oregon, unfortunately, uh, uh, has, is now beating us down, but that's good for the environment, so we'll, we'll give them a thumbs up. Um, but it's an interesting question, the uh, the – 10 cent versus a 15 cent deposit should we change? Um, I assume you're going to get around to asking me what my thoughts are on that, but I'll wait and see what you say. Uh, okay. <laughs> in, in the meantime, uh, Lloyd, one of the things that's vexing is I still return stuff. Do you? Oh, absolutely I do. I, I, mean, I just I'm, put a bag together the other night. It's got to go. Cheap Charlie, man. I don't leave those <laughs> bottles lying around. No, I put that 10 cent in. I want to get it back. But, um, um, Tom, I want to ask you, you guys really um, handle a high volume of of cans and bottles. And so now that you have a lower a lower volume coming in, does it make it harder for you to run your business? Well, um, any scrap business, that's what we're in, is, is very volume-centric. So volume is incredibly important. Um, and I guess, um, yeah, our business is it's, – it's not like we're, we're – uh, dying or anything like that, but it is a little more difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, you want to keep people employed, and we've been able to do that for the most part. But I think uh, the bigger issue is less the impact on Chupan and and what is the impact on the state of Michigan and uh, the carbon footprint or carbon mitigation that's not happening because of many of these containers that are not going through the deposit system are now being mm. either land. Well, most of them are likely to be landfills. Some are, are, are ending up at curbside for sure, but uh, we don't really know what that difference is. So I think that's that's the bigger focus is uh, is is for Michigan to get back to being number one. So in 1990, <clears throat> our redemption rate was 98.2 percent. That's amazing. Wow. Um, now it's down to 73 percent. So all, you know, on the more than a 20 percentage point decline. Do we know why, Tom? I mean, I'm sure you've sussed this out with retailers and others when they ask customers uh, why we've gotten out of the habit. Do we know? What was it about the pandemic, other than the fact that it was an interruption, that didn't, that didn't keep us from drinking more pop, more soda? Well, let, yeah, let, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, first thing, let me go back to the 98% back in 1990. I'll say part of the reason for that was, there was a lot of everybody brings up the Seinfeld episode, right? So there's a lot of containers coming from outside the state into Michigan that, that kind of inflated that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, was, there, it, was it, um, it? Who was the crazy guy across the hall? I'm drawing a complete ba- blank. Yeah, and Kramer. Then, Kramer was was the one that was taken across to New Jersey, wasn't he? Wasn't that the deal? Right. Um, yeah. Well, it, 
well, it's 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 interesting. Um, and so, yeah, the question is, you know, Tom, do we increase the deposit as a financial incentive to get more people to get back in the habit? Um, I, I try to stay out of the political realm of things. However, I, I will say, uh, I think ten cents is still a strong enough incentive. Um, and to change the deposit law in the state of Michigan, you got to have three quarters vote. So it's very, very difficult to get anything to change. I would, um, I would point to Oregon again. Oregon was a nickel, uh, deposit and they went from a nickel to a dime like three years ago, I think it was. And they went to a dime because their return rate was very, very low and they had something into their, in their law that said if, if we don't reach, you know, seven, 80% or something like that, that, return rate then we're going to raise to a, to a nickel yeah. or to a dime did that and they you know they went up significantly so they, they're now closer to 90 percent like we used to be right i don't know that going to 15 cents would make that much of a difference in michigan because i think i do think a dime is still still a lot of a very strong incentive for people to take their containers back <laughs> I, I think if you'll indulge me for a second i think part of the problem there's 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 a number of reasons why I think the rates dropped. One is that we were shut down and people changed behavior a little bit. And then, um, you know, the, the problem seems to be mostly in rural areas who've been slower to come back to take mm. containers, sales stores. Um, so I've got, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that you need to have a successful or sustainable recycling program. And first one is education. And so when I think about education, there's so many yeah containers in the system that that causes some confusion for a consumer that that i would like to hopefully address at some point and that's what that's what i was going to ask you tom because you know is it as simple maybe as just more education psa's just kind of reminding people hey you know uh we're we're open ready for business bring these cans and bottles back yeah yeah and, that, and we're i guess we're we're kind of trying to do that and that's why i really appreciate you having me on here yeah. so we could talk there you go that july 4th is Couple of days away. This is the busiest uh, week of the year for uh, uh, deposit container consumption. So it's a good time to get the message out and remind people to take them back and and get your dime back. And um, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing for the environment. And uh, it's the highest quality material that the industry. If we go back to your question about how does this affect Chupan's business, um, you know, we're a very high quality supplier to the mills that make new can sheet and new plastic bottles and things like that. So they rely on this material every bit, every bit as much as we do. And when, when our volumes are down like they are, they're asking, right. you know, hey, Tom, good. stand by for a moment. I want to go to a caller. Aubrey's in Farmington Hills. Aubrey, have you got a solution to this? And, and would a 15 cent deposit help things? Yeah. Hey, guy. Good morning. First of all, I enjoy what you and Lloyd and the team are doing. So great work. Keep it up. Uh, one, I'm not in favor of the 15 cents. Uh, I don't think we need to increase it. But one of the things that might help on the fringes is making sure that beverages are returnable no matter what store you go to. It. You know, if I have something that I bought from Bushes and I'm at Meyer, I'm not going to run over to Bushes to, to pick up an extra dime. So that's yeah. the one thing I would say. So if you can return all of your bottles no matter where you bought it from, I think that helps. Aubrey, thanks. That's a great idea. And Tom, you know, I think that part of this is we have so many specialty drinks now. We have all the seltzers that are out there. We have craft beers. Not all stores take them, and they only will take the brands that they retail. Is that part of the problem? Yeah, I, I would. When I, I said that, I think there's, like, there's a few things that are going on, and and that's what I was kind of alluding to when I said that there's uh, 
so many different containers out there now or, or, or different types of beverages do become boutique type things that uh, and there's a term in our industry we call universal redemption is what the what the Audrey was talking about um, or Aubrey Aubrey that, that yeah. he was talking is uh, um, retailers only have to redeem the containers in which they sell so with all these different type of products out there, that is also creating some of that c- confusion uh, for the consumer, which you know devalues their experience a little bit, and yeah. certainly all in the, in the reduction. So, you know, when I, I like to say that that you, it starts with all of us in Michigan to, to, to kind of get back to where we were, and it's going to take a collaborative effort from whether it's distributors or retailers or recyclers or the the, the consumer and and legislation and things like that. To, uh, to at least talk about the right. conversation. Tom Emmerich, Chief Operating Officer for Shoe Pan and President of Shoe Pan Recycling, and Color Aubrey with some uh, good ideas on how to uh, get the, the Michigan bottle deposit participation back to where it was before the pandemic. Are right, going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with Guy Lloyd Nick for some genuine tomfoolery ahead of JR Morning. Be right back. All right. Lloyd Jackson, Guy Gordon, join me here in the studio ahead of JR Morning. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about yesterday's affirmative action ruling by the Supreme Court. Um, I, I got to say, I, I I feel like there's some ambiguity in this ruling. Obviously, they, they voted 6-3 to three to not allow race to be a, a, a consideration when admitting prospective students into college. But John Roberts, he wrote in his opinion that this does not stop people from uh, talking about how their race or experience has shaped them uh, writing an essay or an interview. So is this is this literally just taking the, the check mark off the application? There's that. that you, I mean, the, the best evidence of what will happen in the wake of this decision, we already went through in Michigan more than a decade ago. Mm-hmm. When Proposal 2 was passed, and that is you find race-neutral ways to get a diverse student body. And if it is economic hardship, if it is geographical representation, um, there are ways to do that so, so that you can get a student body. At the University of Michigan, uh, black participation fell from 5.8% to 4.5%, but it still got you to a diverse student body. And UC Berkeley, though, in in California, uh, theirs dropped uh, about fifty percent when they got rid of affirmative action back in uh, was it ninety seven or could be? Yeah. I think they said yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. So. so yeah. So I mean, so I don't know what they're doing. Evidently, they didn't. They're not using something else. They just said race, and that's it. And it's dropped there. So. Yeah, I mean, and I was shocked to hear that California did, did away with affirmative action 20, 20 years ago. But that seems to be kind of the trend. I think there were, uh, along with Michigan, there are eight other states that already um, had outlawed affirmative action before this. And uh, that seems to be um, the trend. Um, there's a big drop in Native American percentages mm-hmm. here. And it seems like there's about a 50% drop in the percentage of African American students on uh, campus, and, and of course, people are trying to think of of, of other ways um, to help promote di- uh, diversity on college campuses. And- there was a very compelling individual story here. The young man that was applying to Harvard had test scores off the charts. Mm-hmm. 
he had a resume that was, I mean, he may have been one of the most qualified applicants in the history of Harvard, and he was denied entry. And so he made a very powerful individual case because this still comes down to the individual. We seem to speak of these things in the abstract. Mm-hmm. That was a very compelling case, and it, and it did influence uh, the, the justices. Well, and and I think that's why John Roberts put that little caveat in his um, in his opinion. Um, well, it was also kind of a rebuke of uh, Justice Jackson, Kentonji Brown Jackson, who kind kind of said, "Well, this you know is it couldn't be more more wrong." And he's saying, "We're not eliminating race, and we're not saying that diversity is bad, or that we're not interested in diversity." And I think that was kind of his retort. And it was, in fact, it was kind of a rebuke that you rarely see uh, in, in that kind of discussion. Well, and we, we've kind of stumbled upon a bipartisan consensus here. Um, you know, like I was talking about, um, you know, now Democrats, now now these colleges uh, are, are throwing out ideas to promote diversity on campus. And uh, Tim Scott, he spoke out uh, about maybe getting rid of legacy admissions. Mm-hmm. And yes. so did uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And you can't get more partis- bipartisan than those two agreeing on something. Right. So if you're going to – that was my thing. If you're going to get rid of affirmative action, we've got to start talking about legacy admissions. Exactly. If we're going to talk about merit, true merit – then let's do that. Yeah. Rick Hess is a really good thinker. He writes for the American Enterprise Institute. I would urge anybody to look it up. He was on a rant about this a couple of days ago. We've had him on about this, and he makes a very compelling case. There is no place for that anymore. And uh, the the other big decision we're still waiting on today, and I would say that this, other than the Roe versus Wade uh, decision, this is probably... The biggest uh, Supreme Court ruling, at least from uh, uh, of my lifetime, um, the student loan decision that should be coming out today. Not as big, but it's still it's it's pretty significant. Uh, me personally, I felt this way for a while. I think uh, Joe Biden's student loan relief plan. I think it's toast. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I, I spoke to someone uh, yesterday who. Uh, who has is on the pause? Yeah, uh, and and she's you know she has a master's degree, and she says you know Lloyd, I'm paying this these the student loan back, and I'm sending all this money in, and I got my master's degree ten years ago, right? And I still owe the same amount I I you know was paying on ten years ago I, right. because I'm I'm spending this money. It's like I'm spending my wheels. You know, I, I think I'm one of those people too, and I think our generation might be the first generation. Um, uh, to use our social security checks to still be paying off our student loan. <laughs> if social security is uh, is even around. We'll try, we'll try to leave it. some there for yeah, you. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, don't hog it all. Be nice to your DoorDash drivers. There's going to be a lot more of us out there once this thing is overturned. JR Morning coming up after the news.